Good morning. I also have a few thank yous. Great weekend last weekend. I saw those pictures on uh, Instagram and I kind of got excited. We, uh, we heard there were not enough volunteers. My wife and I said, can we handle an afternoon after the driving and two services? And we bowed out and didn't do it, but we are so glad that people stepped up. It was great to see the church saying, hey, let's do this. We got to make this happen. The other thank you I have is for Good Friday. What many of you may not know is there was a lot that went into that. People were here Thursday night for two or three hours. There were people hiding behind the stage there, banging on all sorts of things, doing sound effects. And we had the readers at the back there that were reading. That was done live. That was not pre-recorded, in case you were wondering. So it was just an awesome time, and I want to thank them. I'm not going to try their names. We'll call them narrator one, two, three, and four. It's easier for me. Sound person one, word and sound and music one. That's all I can come up with. I forget names. But it was a great Good Friday, a great opportunity to, I don't want to say celebrate, because today is a celebration. Maybe we'll call it to mourn the death of Jesus. But we know what that mourning became. We know that there's joy. We know that the grave is empty. Death always wins. Death always prevails. Even in the miracles of the Bible, death prevailed. Think about it. Those who were raised from the dead still eventually died. Death always wins. They tell us we can beat death or we try to beat death. We kind of cheat it for a little while, don't we? But in the end, death always wins until that Sunday. The Sunday we celebrate now when Jesus overcame death, when Jesus beat death, when Jesus overcame the world, something is now different. In the past, when you died, it was the end of life. But as a follower of Christ, death is the beginning of a new life, life eternal with our Savior, with God. The power of this world was defeated On what we call Easter Sunday, the power of the world was gone. The power of sin was defeated. Jesus reigned victorious, and we too are victorious. Jesus, who came and lived in this world, who lived amongst those who lived out the values of this world, overcame this world rather than becoming part of this world. And he defeated the only enemy that is really, truly scary. He defeated Satan and his evil plan to destroy this world. Jesus defeated the powers of darkness, and we do not have to do that. What a great message, victory, excitement, and I have to admit that being a Christian should be much more easier than it seems to be. We won. We know how it ends. And yet for me, at least, there are struggles. John reminds us in 1 John that the world will hate us, We live in a world that doesn't like us. We have all this victory, all this good news, and the world is sort of going, well, yeah, but we don't want any of that. That's a tough one to live, isn't it? We're here excited on Sunday morning, but when we go to work on Monday, what does it feel like? It feels like all that victory on Sunday morning feels like defeat when we get out in the world. And that is what the evil one wants us to focus on. We live in a world that lives differently than us, that reminds us constantly of the way we would like to live, the easier way. If I'm being honest, I'm more comfortable living in the ways of the world. It's just my nature. 
But in Christ, I'm supposed to be a new creation. And all these exciting verses must be held in tension with the fact that it is a struggle. It is difficult. But at the same time, it's not a burden. Life is not easy. But following God is not a burden, or it shouldn't be. We're not in this on our own. It's time-consuming to be a follower of Christ. You should be picking up your Bible, reading it. You should be praying all day long. It takes up time. It actually should be all-consuming. It should be the very nature of who you are. You should be known as a Christ follower by your character, not just by the place you show up to on Sunday mornings. There should be an all-consuming joy Because of the victory on the cross, the victory in the grave. There should be an all-consuming joy, but sometimes it just feels like a burden, doesn't it? Some mornings are tough to get up. The resurrected Christ gets out of the grave, defeats death, and some mornings we just don't want to get out of bed. Sometimes we face the world and we think, why am I doing this? Why am I fighting what still seems to be lost? And yet inside of us, I believe there's the greatest untapped resource in our lives. Part of it is because we live in a country where most is provided for us. So do we really need a powerful God? Do we really need the Holy Spirit? This is not a theological question. I can answer that theologically. But do we really see a need? Do we need a victorious life? Do we need healing? We can go to the hospital. Do we need money? We can get a job. There's no famine in Canada right now. Our worst weather is a bad snowstorm. A little bit of a flood here and there. So do we really need God? Do we really need this victory? Haven't we conquered everything? See, I think the biggest struggle is we don't see our need for God, so we don't see the victory. Maybe once a year on Easter Sunday. But there's a victory out there that I think we don't recognize because life is somewhat easy until we try to live it 100% for God. I'm a pastor. Supposedly, I have a special position. The truth is, I live the same lives you do. I go out into that world, and I find it difficult to represent Christ positively. Sometimes I keep it to myself. Sometimes I kind of say it's a a hard journey, and I forget the victory I should be teaching and preaching with my life, not just from here. It's real easy here. Most of you, if not all of you, are not going to come charge the stage here and beat me up for what I say. If someone runs at me, I'm out of here. But when I get out into the real world, it's not safe. It's tough to obey God's commands. But I say it again, they're not burdensome. I think the biggest problem I have is I'm trying to please God, make God happy. I'm trying to do it. I'm trying to live out his commands as if I have to do it myself. There is no joy in that type of struggle. There's just defeat because you cannot do it. It is a burden. I cannot overcome the world, but praise God, it's already been done. But I think as Christians, we find ourselves working hard to overcome the world. You know what the hardest work really is? Surrender to the one who did it already for you. I want control. I want to be the one that lives for Christ instead of the one that dies with Christ and gives up myself. I don't want to surrender. 
I want to do it my way. And then when I do it really well, I want people to say, look at him. He's a great guy. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm a great guy. I'm not a great guy. I follow a great guy, a great man, God in the flesh, who died and conquered the grave. See, I think because we try and live in our own power, we try and prove things, we run into a problem. Because I'm not greater than the world. We read it before in 1 John. 1 John 4, 4 says this, You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them, meaning the world, because the one who is in you is greater than the one in the world. Why am I even trying? Why don't I even just surrender to God and let God be the overcomer? I do not need to prove to God that I'm worthy of his love. Because the truth is, I can't. I'm not worthy of it. It is God's holiness and perfection that decided that his creation would become worthy through the blood of Jesus Christ. We did not earn it. God simply offered it. And it's made perfect through Jesus' death and resurrection. But I want to challenge you this morning to think about it. Are you trying to please God or are you surrendering to God, which actually is what pleases God? Are you trying to do it right? Because there's only one thing God asks. Give me yourself. Surrender. We don't overcome the world and yet we end up being the beneficiaries of someone who did. We are overcomers not because we died and were raised from the dead, but because someone else died. John goes over and over and says, we love because he loved first. We also overcome because he overcame first. It is the power of the Spirit of God living in us that should remind us constantly of the power of God that worked through Jesus Christ. 1 John 5, 1 through 5 says this, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. This is love for God, to obey his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he that believes that Jesus is the Son of God. All of that is saying we are overcomers, but I think we get the wrong message. We get the message we need to be overcomers. We need to do something. And again, I implore you, give up. Give over to the fact that Jesus already did it at the cross and through resurrection from the grave. I find it hard to accept God's commands because they don't match my laziness. My laziness wants to be what I want to be. When I feel a certain way, I want to be that way. I think we're all the same. I'm hoping so. Maybe this is just Dave's confessional and the rest of you are going, you're nuts. Okay, fine. Then it's Dave's confessional. I wake up some mornings and I don't want to do that. And I don't want to be right about that. And I don't want to live right. Why? Because it's easier to live wrong. But then what do I do? I get a little, little embarrassed. I'm not being godly enough. A little ashamed. So I'm going to fix it. I'm going to become godly then who really needs Jesus' overcoming power if I'm going to do it on my own? The resurrection story is about giving up and giving over. Jesus did it. Think of the story. Think of Jesus in the garden saying, I don't want to do this, God. This is a paraphrase, not the King James. You probably figured that out. I don't want to do this. It's going to hurt. It's going to be horrible. 
but not my will, but yours. And although it was difficult, painful, horrific, he was victorious in the end. What an example to obeying God's commands. Maybe it is difficult to live in the world, but it's not a burden. It's a complete joy to simply surrender to God and say, your will be done. It may not feel that way tomorrow when you go about your normal stuff. We're in the non-safe parts of the world. But remember this. You are so far from perfect and holy And to be more than just a sinner sinner is a monumental task. John says that God's commands are not burdensome, but when we do it on our own, it is a burden. When we try to overcome, we will be wiped out, exhausted, drained. Now, if you read the word burdensome, there are different translations. I tried to look around for one that made me feel better because burdensome wasn't working for me because I felt burdened. Well, here's another one, difficult, grievous, which means severe, or not hard for us. I'm reading, I'm saying that still doesn't work for me. It is hard. What are they talking about? They are severe commands. I must be different. So I'm not finding the hope I was looking for, and I don't want to argue with the Bible, but I do think God's commands are difficult, severe, and hard for us. I do think that. They're hard because we are comfortable with the ways of the world, and that's the easy part. They're hard because they don't match what we naturally want to think. The issue facing me isn't that they're difficult and grievous and hard, God's command, but the lure of the world makes them difficult. You can't live with one leg in the world and one leg in God's kingdom. The burden comes when you try to be both. To be a follower of Christ is to surrender everything. That's a lifelong process. I kind of picture the body and, you know, you, you surrender your heart to God, but in my big toe is still a dark area God hasn't got to yet. And maybe in this leg it's the calf. I don't know, but there's areas that God is totally working at but hasn't completed, and that's why I'm still here. But the goal is to totally surrender day by day to the risen Christ, the one that's already done the defeating part. It's us giving over to him. I must surrender to embrace God's ways or I will find myself. Now, here's the thing. You can, in your mind, have one foot here and one foot here in God's kingdom and in the world. But in God's mind, you only have two feet in the world. And that's where the burden comes from, trying to keep up a facade Where surrender says, I have to live with it. It may hurt, but it's joy to worship the one who was willing to die for me. To live for the one that was willing to give up his life. And let's face it, do you know anybody else who defeated death? Is anybody else worth following? When it's hard, remember this. You worship someone who was stuffed in the ground dead and left. And even his closest friends, even those who had heard the truth from his mouth, did not believe he was coming back. And he proved them all wrong. You obey the commands of the one who speaks and a world is created. He can also speak and a world will end. There's not burden in that. There's joy. But every time the world says, come here, do it this way, it's so much easier. you got to admit, there are moments in your life when something gets tempting. And if you think about it, it's much easier to give in. 
I wonder how tempting it was for Jesus on that cross to say, enough, I'm done. Not it is finished, I'm leaving. Those sinners deserve what they get. That would not be a lie. I wonder if Jesus, as he breathed his last breath, thought, I don't even want to come back to this earth. They don't really care. I mean, there was turmoil within a few years. Even those who followed them were splitting it off. That's why we have 1 John. Those sinners he died for are still trying to come up with their own religions today because they're not surrendering and letting him overcome. They're creating their own system of overcoming, one that matches the world. Easter Sunday is about what the grave addressed. The grave, not Jesus being in it, but Jesus being out of it. The grave, the tomb being empty, says there is defeat for death. Death has been overcome, sin has been overcome, and life has been given to those that will believe, eternal life. But it's not just that. Jesus said, i got to go away. I'm going to leave you with something more. I'm going to leave you with the Holy Spirit. For the first time in all of history, the Spirit of God was going to dwell in unperfect or imperfect mankind. If you know your history, there are times when the Spirit of God dwelled in a person for a short time. King Saul prophesied. Then he went his own way and messed everything up. But you don't hear of the Spirit of God living in anyone until Jesus. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. But the Spirit of God came into Jesus and stayed there. I would suggest to you it was because Jesus was perfect. But once Jesus died and rose from the dead and made us perfect, the Spirit of God can now dwell in us too. We have the victory And the Spirit of God inside of us reminding us over and over again that we are victorious. But are we surrendering? Are we listening? Do we hear the Spirit of God saying, Jesus did it all. You are a winner, not through your own, but through the victory of the power of the blood and the resurrection of Christ. 1 John 5, 6 through 10 says this, This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. The three are in agreement. We accept man's testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God, which he has given about his Son. Anyone who believes in the Son of God has this testimony in his heart. Anyone who does not believe in God has made him out to be a liar because he does not believe the testimony God has given about his son. The Spirit's there. The Bible promises it. If you believe in Jesus, the Spirit is inside of you. Have you surrendered enough to hear the Spirit over and over again saying, we are victorious because God is victorious because Jesus is no longer in the grave? The water testified, it says. If you remember, Jesus was baptized in water. He did what you and I did. He did some very common things, didn't he? For God, for the King of Kings, he did the common things. We look at water baptism as a a time to represent, metaphorically, the washing away of sins. Jesus didn't need a bath from sin. He didn't have any. And yet he did it as an example. Jesus didn't need to die. He didn't have a reason to die because death comes from sin. But as an example, he died to his sins, or at least our sins that he carried. 
Jesus is our example and he testifies. Water testifies, the Spirit testifies. You may not remember, but I'm going to go back to John's Gospel. So this is the, one of the other books that John wrote. But this is the book where he gives a history of Jesus, or somewhat of a history of Jesus in his words. Now the John is going to get confusing. The John writing is not the one that the John writing is talking about. He's talking about John the baptizer. And he says this. The next day John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. As an aside, they would have known what that meant. The Lamb of God that takes away sin is the Lamb that is slaughtered, the one that bleeds. They may not have understood Jesus as a human Lamb, but when they hear Lamb of God, they would have understood that there is the sacrifice in blood. So John is already testifying to Jesus being the sacrifice in blood. This is the one I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Be very confusing if you're standing there, but we understand that. The one who was born after John the baptizer actually existed long before. He has always existed, for Jesus is God. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. See, testimony in the water, testimony of the truth of Jesus. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I would not have known him except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the, he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. Testimony. The Spirit, the water. The water testifies, and then we are to testify, too, to this truth. God's Spirit entered Jesus, and Jesus carried out his ministry. God's Spirit enters each one of you, and you are to carry out your ministry. But not alone. It is not burdensome, because you, too, have the exact same Spirit of God that Jesus had living in you. And those words were heard for all to hear. That must have been shocking seeing this vision of, of a bird flying down and landing on someone's head, you would have known it was not just a bird. There would have been something about it that was a little more than a bird that got loose. And then these words, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. What a testimony. It's amazing that people still didn't believe, isn't it? But then there we go again. The sin nature, the natural nature says, okay, I just saw something weird, but I want to go back the way I was. When you see that, it demands a choice. Do I follow Jesus or don't I follow Jesus? John testified as a man. The Spirit testified. The waters of baptism testify to what we go through as our lives are changed. Jesus also talks about his blood. John, further on in his gospel, in John 6, 53 through 54, Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh, drinks my blood, has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. A little confusing. It sounds kind of gross, but it's not meant to be. Whoever does what I do, whoever follows me, whoever becomes like me, in sacrifice has life. Jesus' blood testifies to the fact that it is redeeming in quality. It is perfect, it is pure, and it was shed for you. 
Jesus overcame the world as the son of God who was born with one specific purpose. He did a lot, but he came here to die. He also came here to be raised from the dead. That's what victory is. Jesus overcame the world. His commands may be difficult, but they are not burdensome because he's already accomplished it. We are simply embracing it. We are embracing what Jesus did. Maybe too long we have told people to make their lives better instead of telling people, give it up to God and listen and obey. See, if you're trying to fix it, you're going to mess it up. But if you're trying to listen to God, he's loud enough to hear. God's spirit inside of you is testifying to the truth, to the empty grave, to the power and victory we have. He carried our burden. We do not defeat sin. We do not defeat death. We do not defeat the world. We, through the power of the Spirit that is in us, obey and become a testimony to the world of who we are called to be. John keeps saying, love one another. What greater testimony than when we love one another? Because that is so different than the world that makes us comfortable. 1 John 5, 11, and 12, as we finish off this section, says this. And this is a testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Are we living a victorious life that says we have life? Not just that our heart is beating, but there's something about us that's different. To align with God, it never changes. We obey his commands. That's the alignment. And we love one another, but we do them out of victory, not defeat. We're not in water drowning trying to get it going. God's hand is helping us float in the sea of a messed up world of sin. We are to love one another. And God is not asking us too much, but through his spirit, even though it is hard work, we surrender to him. It's not a burden, but a joy. I think of marriage. People get married and usually they serve one another really well for the first little while. And things change. They surrender to one another. They submit to one another. They are there for each other's needs. But before long, they become being there for themselves. Could that be us right now? We surrendered to the victory of Jesus Christ because we knew he defeated death when we first became a Christian, but we got lazy in our marriage. We're living for us. What's in it for me? See, to serve your spouse is not a burden. There's joy in it when there's love. But maybe we just get lazy and try and survive this life. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but I want you to think, how many are here just waiting it out till we can get out of this place and go to a better place? That's not a victorious life. That's a life that's dead. That's a life that's not a newborn creation in Christ. That's a life that's just surviving and hoping it all ends soon. We need to align with God. But the burden of sin has already been carried. The burden of death has already been defeated for us. It is not our job to carry that burden. It's been done. It's our joy to live out the commands that God gives us because they bring us closer to him. If you suddenly decided that in your marriage... There was no joy, and some of you, I think, have. You will stop serving. You will stop loving. 
You want your marriage to be on fire? You want your relationship to be on fire with God? Surrender, give over, and serve and love. It is a joy. It's hard work, but it's a joy. I want to go to bed tired because I've been serving God so hard. Not scared that I've not been serving him well enough. I want to go to bed each night excited about the resurrection, the victory through the cross and through the grave. Not trying to figure out how I can make myself good enough to get to heaven because I'm not able to do it. I often say it, I'll say it again, Satan is whispering in our ears trying to get us to go a different way. Surrender to God and it's not a burden anymore. But Satan wants you to work real hard. Satan wants you to run on that hamster wheel and get absolutely nowhere but be tired doing it. There is a great testimony. God's testimony is in you. The Spirit of Christ is in you. God's Spirit lives in you, testifying to the truth, reminding you over and over again that you have overcome the world, not because you did it, but because you surrendered to the one who has done it. We love one another, and we are testifying to the truth of Jesus' love, the greatness of the risen Lord. It is not a burden, it's pure joy because Jesus overcame the world, therefore we overcome the world. And those who overcome the world love one another, demonstrating to the rest of the world that there is a way to be victorious. And those who see and believe themselves also overcome the world. And the cycle continues. Right here is the Spirit of God in you. Physically, I guess it's not necessarily there, but we say in the heart is the Spirit of God. Surrender and hear the words of victory and live them out through love. The grave is empty, but our hearts are full with the Spirit of the living God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the victory. Thank you that you didn't stay in the grave. Thank you that it wasn't just about death, but about life. God, give us a victorious life. Give us that sense that we are blessed beyond all. Help us to go from feeling a burden to feeling the joy. Help our tired and bruised and wearied bodies that serve you to consider it pure joy, to suffer even for your name. Change us to a people of surrender whose goal is to do your will, not ours. Remind us through that, we too overcome. Yours is the victory. Thank you, we get to share in it. In your name we pray, amen.